0: Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine. I'm Martin Lee and this is the Autosport Podcast. And as we always do on Saturday of the British Grand Prix, we are live at Whittlebury because we have our campsite here with GP Racing Magazine. And so to the many, many thousands of campers that have gathered in front of our huge screen today to uh, to watch this podcast being recorded, and of course some of the finest assembled guests inside, it's raining a little bit as well, uh, then thank you very much for coming along to uh, this live recording. I'm joined by the big cheese of GP Racing Magazine. Stuart That's Coddling. just my shoes. Hello, Codders. Thank you for coming along. Uh, is it executive editor?
2: I'm the, I'm, I'm, I am the big cheese now. It's just the editor. Just editor. No executive <laughs> anymore.
0: Jake Boxall, Leg, and Megan White, thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Big story, of course. Max Verstappen getting pole for the British Grand Prix Codders. But the big talking point, of course, is... The second weekend of the big McLaren upgrades, and they go and stick it on the front row, second and third as well. Great result for Piastri, but Lando Norris as well.
2: I mean, I, I don't want to pour cold water on the uh, the whole thing because um, it's great to see the McLaren second and third, uh, but this is a little bit of an outlier this result because that car is is quick at circuits like this. And as Andrea Stella, the team principal, said tonight in the press conference. Um, they were flattered a little bit by the conditions. So they've had a bit of a performance uplift because of the upgrades. But this is a circuit where they'd have probably gone well at anyway. And both Lando and Oscar have said that some of the underlying issues with the car being difficult to drive do persist. But at the end of the day, um, you can't argue with second and third on the grid. So if it's if it's cold and a little bit wet and iffy tomorrow... Um, they might do well. If it's warmer, they might just go backwards. But I think it's good for the show that people are talking about something other than Max Verstappen on pole.
0: And, and, uh, and JBL, just a couple of tenths off of Max on... You know, we come from a short circuit, Austria, last time out, and a very long circuit now. So that's a really decent gap because Max, did to me, didn't look like many obvious mistakes. He looked like he was pretty much on the limit for that. He pulled it all out and... Um, uh, only two-tenths faster in that rocket ship that is is the RB19.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, he made his mistakes when it didn't quite matter quite so much. Uh, I'm talking about Q1, of course. Um, had a slight uh, snafu, let's say, with the, uh, the wall on the inside of the pit lane. Um, and he was quizzed about this in the uh, post-qualifying press conference as well. Um, he just said... I just had a little incident, uh, (laughs) in deference to, uh, that, that that now meme-worthy, uh, carting video of him and Charles Leclerc. Um, but yeah, he just basically understeered out, uh, clipped his front wing.
0: But more uh, than a clip. I mean, he, yeah, he, he no, properly broke, broke he it. He did
1: break the thing. He did have to be wheeled back in and uh, he, he probably had a few blushes and uh, maybe it was a slight brown trouser moment. But um, <laughs> eventually he was uh, put back on course and everything was okay and he was able to go out and do his lap. So yeah. Um, Yeah, that was the only mistake that he made, really. And uh, I think everybody was in in raptures when they saw Lando Norris come across and seemed to be on pole. And then uh, suddenly uh, that all-too-familiar... Verstappen P1 comes across Uh, but I don't think it dampened too many people's enthusiasm because it was a a very very interesting qualifying session altogether.
0: Yeah absolutely and and Megan to do it at the British Grand Prix of course McLaren got loads of fans here this weekend a proper roar went up when Lando got provisional pole never really in doubt that Max was going to get the pole but a really spectacular actually overall quali session all three sessions today for McLaren.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the media centre also had a big, you yeah, know, hey, Lando's <laughs> on provisional pole, and then, oh, it was like a, you know, theatre moment. But um, no, I think it was a fantastic result for them. Um, the The sea of orange at Silverstone t- does tend to be more McLaren than Max. Um, but yeah, fantastic for both of them. You know, Norris was two tenths off pole. Um, Oscar Piastri, I think people forget now, because it has been two years since he won the F2 title, but he won you know he won euro cup he won f3 and he won f2 on his first you know first attempt so i think because the mclaren has struggled this year people have maybe forgotten how good oscar piastri really is um and after last year's minor contractual wrangles let's say but uh, yeah really really great day for for them
0: yeah, and and on Oscar, I think Zach said a few weeks ago something like, "Oh, he's a, a world champion in waiting." He said the same about Lando Norris as well. It's his job to talk up his his star drivers as well. But we kind of have been waiting to see something a little bit special from Oscar. And we know that Lando had the upgrade last weekend, so maybe he's dialing in a little bit more than Oscar. But that was a really impressive drive to see him. You know, to see Oscar Piastri in the press conference, or you know, Jensen Button interviewing them afterwards. That was that was really good to see. Proper second driver stuff.
3: Yeah, and it'll be a great boost to his confidence. You know, he has had this really difficult. He had the difficult time last year with where he was actually going to be this year. Now he's had the difficult start to the year with the McLaren struggling so much. And you know, yes, it is Zach's job to big them up. But for for Oscar, this is his best uh, his best qualifying result in F one so far. It's his best qualifying result um, since his last F two race uh, in Abu Dhabi in 2021, which. Maybe it's not remembered for that. Did something else but, happen? I don't know. But uh, yeah, he's, he's a brilliant driver. He always has been. And I think it's really good that he's getting the chance now to show that.
0: Absolutely. Uh, what, what's, what's caused the, uh, the, the upgrade here at Silverstone? You know, Zach Brown was giving him bear hugs in the, uh, in the garages afterwards as well. Is, is there something they've done particularly to that car? Because in Lewis Hamilton's words... Uh, it's it's a papaya Red Bull. He didn't say that, but he said when you know when Hamilton was asked afterwards why they, he thought they were second, he said, "Well, look at the car, and then look at Red Bull." And now he was saying, "I think that his point might have been that actually, McLaren, uh, that Mercedes have some you know some work to do. The copying might not necessarily be a bad thing because that's his, in Hamilton's view that's what what McLaren have done." Would you concur?
2: Everyone converges around the most successful solution. So we saw at the beginning of last year. <laughs> Uh, New rule set, no one got to look at other people's homework in the interim and there were lots of different solutions and uh, Mercedes was the most different solution. Uh, Unfortunately, it was a solution that didn't work. So uh, the Red Bull uh, approach works. Clearly, everyone else has copied that, but it's not just about copying one little bit. I know everyone says, "Oh well, you know, their car went up on a crane in Monaco, and everyone saw the floor, and everyone's rushed out and copied it." Um, that's not really how Formula One works. Uh, it, it's it's a fast-moving sport in more ways than one. The development race is very rapid, but we're only that, that was a month and a half ago. So you'd be you'd be going great guns to have taken a shot of the Red Bull floor and go, all right, oh, that's great, oh, that's clever, we didn't think of that, copy it completely, build a new one, prove it in the wind tunnel, decide, all right, okay, in sim, that's working, uh, and then build a load of them, fit them on the car, and then go quicker. It's not how Formula One works. As Andrea Stella pointed out today, very often you'll do something like change the floor, and that will actually reduce the level of downforce the car produces because all the other bits of the car are optura- optimised around making the original floor work. So it's not just a case of you bolt one bit onto the car and you find half a second that was hiding down the back of the sofa. It's just not how it works. It's a, an awful lot of um, you know careful scientific research and diligent checking of everything that goes into um, actually working out whether something's working or not. So it's very easy to say, oh, they've just copied Red Bull and the car's gone quicker, but that's not how it works. And Lewis knows it. He's just deflecting attention from the fact that various things have been put on the Mercedes that maybe haven't quite worked. And he may be sending a little coded message to the people in Brackley saying, look, that, that lockdown in Woking with their dysfunctional wind tunnel uh, have pulled something out. So uh, time you lot got a bit of a move on.
0: Stella did say that after the third of the three upgrades that every aero surface would be different. Is that, that that is an admission that, well, hang on, we we came out in 2023 and, and absolutely missed all of our targets and that, we, that was a massive cock up.
2: Well, yeah, and as uh, Lando said, The problem that McLaren have had is that all their cars for the past four or five years have had the same baked in shortcomings in terms of the way they behave on track. And what What the upgrades have done is increase the levels of downforce the car produces, but they've not kind of banished the problems the car has. So they've raised it up to a slightly higher performance level, but it's still a slightly harder car to drive. But I think was it? um, I think Oscar Piastri said uh, after I'm just flicking through my analog notebook here. He said after qualifying that if you gave me a choice between a fast car and a car that was um, sort of easy to drive, I'd take the fast one.
0: So JBL, the race tomorrow on Sunday afternoon, how much of a position can McLaren hold? Second and third, will they be eyeing you know, a podium tomorrow? What do you think?
1: Uh, I think they're a little bit guarded about their overall race pace because you know, we've got one car that's on the next step of upgrades. We've got one car that's had upgrades that have been tested and have a sample set of one race they're not entirely sure at this moment in time. And I think everybody is hoping that McLaren does find something in terms of race pace. Um, this is a circuit, as has been said earlier, that should suit it. And it's a little bit like uh, how Albert Parker's, you know, had played out and Lando was able to, you know, do a very, very good job there and finish sixth. So... I think they're sort of cautiously optimistic. They did come into the weekend being cautiously optimistic, and Piastri said as much in the the post-race press conference. Um, Will a bit of rain help them? Um, It it is hard to say. I'm not entirely sure what the weather's going to be. And uh, I think there will be people hoping for rain because they want a little bit of a different result. Um, But I think they have reason to be optimistic, certainly, because... As of said, you know, the car is is infinitely better at this point in time. Yep, sure, maybe it's still trying to throw the drivers off every now and again. But ultimately, they're able to find a higher performance baseline with it. And that's the key thing. Uh, what happens now is we start to see um, how they manage tyres and things like that. If it's a straightforward dry race, if it's a wet race, is the car going to throw them off into the barrier? Uh, hopefully <laughs> not. So... We're going It's very much we're gonna to have to wait and see because uh, I don't think they have all the answers. So uh, I certainly don't.
0: I'll, I'll run through the. I'll run through the top ten uh, after Q three. Max Verstappen, Lando Norris, Oscar Piastri, as we've mentioned already, followed by the two Ferraris. It was Leclerc then Sainz in fourth and fifth. Then the two Mercedes. This time, George Russell winning the teammate wars and beating Lewis Hamilton sixth and seventh. We're gonna get on to Williams. Don't worry, Alex Albon. 8th, and then Fernando Alonso will talk about surely his disappointment in qualifying ninth in the Aston, and Pierre Gasly in 10th in the Alpine. But just to talk generally about qualifying today... Megan that was uh, it was you know wet dry wet dry they didn't you know we had was it seven or nine cars and out in in Q1 on intermediates they all came in they're like no we need soft it was that kind of thing you know that kind of shake up of uh, of a quality session that I think us F1 fans love to see um, and it just throws everything up in the air as a as a spectacle today what did you make of, of watching Grand Prix uh, qualifying at Silverstone?
3: Yeah it was fantastic I mean the, the F1 qualifying in many ways was like the rest of the day had been but condensed into an hour because first thing this morning for F3 and then later for F2, which is between FP3 and qualifying, they also had really mixed conditions. There was a lot more rain for F2, but, um, you know, there was that mix of conditions and it it did make for an interesting qualifying session um, and and produced some great results. You know, Alex Albon in in the Williams in eighth, considering what has been said recently about them having equipment that's 10, 20 years out of date, um, he's doing a fantastic job and he joked, oh, I'm a bit disappointed, which really proves how far they've come. If you think about, you know, last year and how much they've really, and the year before, and they've really, really moved on. So I'm, you know, it's good to see Williams making that step. Um, there was, you know, there was a red flag caused by Magnussen. Bottas ran out of fuel at the end, and he's been disqualified. Is that what
0: it was? I didn't see yeah, the afters. He,
3: he failed to produce a big enough sample. Oh, that, it's that's a litre. You never so want to
2: produce was... a too small a sample. It's <laughs> <laughs> awkward, um, isn't it?
3: It's happened a few times. It happened to uh, Richard Vashore in F two last year. He scored his maiden F two win in Austria last year, and then was disqualified. All sorts of things happening. I mean, the, Lecler- um, the Ferrari boys, Leclerc and Science, had a had a spat. Uh, over the radio, um, I couldn't.
0: Uh, what was that about? They were, but oh, and uh, and it didn't uh, didn't the apologise afterwards for coming across as more aggressive than he meant to sound or something? It was
3: one of those things where you say something in the heat of the moment, and then you listen back to it, and people play it back to you, and you go, oh, "I sounded a bit, yeah. a bit silly." And and what had just happened is they'd agreed in advance. Uh, you know, each weekend they take it in turns. Oh, I'm in, I get to go choose my priority spot, and I get to choose from in front or behind. And they'd just had a bit of with all the disruption that had happened in q1 science was then worried he wasn't going to get to put in a good enough lap which meant that he then wanted to get ahead to put in a good enough lap um and leclerc threw a bit of a strop and oh yeah nice overtake there carlos and i don't i think sometimes they probably don't quite twig or this is going to be played back Everyone's going to hear this, and I'm going to sound like an ass, <laughs> and that is what happened. It, it, that is and what that's happens. why he said, "Oh, I'm you know, I sounded too aggressive." And Carlos said the same. You know, it's a high tension, high pressure moment. You say things that you know, and everyone does it. We do it. You know, we we all do it in our in our lives. So it was. You know, they were both a bit kind of cooled down after that. Um, so that was that was you know that was. Let bygones be bygones. Uh, it was not quite as furious as the F2 radio fury from Jack Dewan after Oli Behrman did some interesting
0: moves. Tell but, me uh, about that, because I didn't catch the F2. We have you on F2 and F3 duty as well this
3: weekend. I do, Can you do everything, please? I do all the things. But yeah, there was the F2 The F two race, if anyone didn't see it, the sprint race today was fantastic. Um, Fred Vesti won by 13 seconds, I think, in the end. Um, but Behrman and Dewan were battling for the final podium spot and... They were fighting it out, and they were there at that point in fourth and fifth. And then they both got past Isaac Hadjar, and then it was the fight for third. And um Berman was being a, a bit loose with some of his turning under breaking, and there was a bit of unhappiness from, from doing about that, and he kept going on the radio saying, Oh, he should be penalised, you know, yada, 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 hate this, hate this. And then in the press conference afterwards. Refused to comment on whether he thought thought Behrman should be penalised, which you know, he again okay. rowing back, yes, but um, yeah, he was he was unhappy with some of the moves that had been made. But I, I it's racing, isn't it?
0: Absolutely, and and uh, Ollie Behrman, um, one of the sort of standout stars of, of this year, people should be keeping an eye on him,
3: yeah, absolutely, he's doing really well. It's his rookie F2 season. Um, he only did one season in F3 before moving up because he had finished the season in third. Um, there was a really good four or five way battle for the F3 title last year and Victor Martins came out on top he's doing really well in F2 um, versus his teammate Theo Porcher who was a really really big rising star really big hope and he should have won last year against Felipe Drogovic and then he's now having this fight with Brad Vesti this year so there's a lot of interesting teammate dynamics there Vesti being Behrman's teammate uh, Martins and Porcher there's a lot of kind of second and third year drivers with younger teammates who have actually really made that step up really well. So lots of interesting battles. If you uh, if you haven't seen F2 or F3 this year, you should watch it.
0: Absolutely, yeah, it's definitely worth, definitely worth watching. With Kizik Hans Free Shoes,
2: motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the
3: magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt.
2: For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at pizzic.com
1: socks.
0: And so let's talk about uh, teammates, because it is a little bit two by two. You've got the two McLarens, two Ferraris, two Mercedes. And Sergio Perez is MIA once again. Oh, dear. Yeah, he had where, a bit of a shocker, didn't he? How where did it all go wrong? Uh, I know, I, where did this it all is, go wrong? This is his fifth, fifth Q3 he's not made, or fourth Q3 he's not made? Fourth or fifth Q3 he's not made in a row. Now, I know one of those was probably technical, um, and he chanted in Monaco. But what went wrong today?
2: I, I think it's about time we went up to Sergio Perez and cast ourselves. Was was it the um, was it the busboy in the hotel who said to George Best, "Where did it all go wrong?"
0: <laughs> Come on, Sergio. Well, not so long ago, I was being told by many Sergio Perez fans in the YouTube comments of the stuff we make that I'm not giving him enough credit for being a, a world champion in waiting, a potential going to take it to Max this year. After okay, as, after Azerbaijan, admittedly, um, and I didn't believe it at the time, and I'm glad I didn't because. He he can't be he can't be this absent and he can't be this absent because if something goes horribly wrong tomorrow in the first corner and you know if it is mixed conditions and I don't know a McLaren gets its breaking point wrong and takes off Max Verstappen okay Red Bull are still going to win the championship this year Max will still be champion this year but it would it would it would ruin that record of of winning every race which they which they may do this year um, and that's why you need uh someone driving. The best, by far and away, the best car this year, at least in the top ten. Yeah. How, can, where is it going wrong? Can we have a Scooby
2: Doo moment and go <laughs> uh, and cast our minds back to this very place in 1999? Uh, Michael Schumacher breaks his leg, yes, uh, in in qualifying. I think was it practice qualifying, not the race, uh, and then spends the 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 next few races out of action until he's mathematically out of contention uh, to the extent that he actually gives up on the season because there's a possibly apocryphal tale that um, uh, Luca de Montezemolo, the head of Ferrari at the time, telephoned his house uh, to find out where Michael was and it might have been Mick who answered the phone. He said, (laughs) Daddy's out playing football. (laughs) Brilliant.
0: <laughs> He's lost interest in this so, yeah, year. No, yeah. He'll I'm, be back out, next year. I'm out of the championship.
2: But that, that meant that mm. Eddie Irvine was sort of carrying the flag for Ferrari as, as their driver's championship contender. And um, you know, I, I, I wouldn't go so far as to say as that he would have been the least impressive world champion ever. But um, I'm glad Mika Hakkinen won that year. Let's put it that way. So Ferrari... Sorry, Red Bull do need Sergio Perez to be in a position to sort of carry the flag for the the constructors championship for the drivers championship, if anything were to happen to Max. And he's not doing the business. And so I, I was I was watching the the sort of the tail end of Q1. So it was after the red flag. There are only sort of three or four minutes to go on the clock. So it was imperative that Sergio had a clear track to play with. Um so naturally he went to the head of the pit lane so that he was first in the queue to get out. And um, on on my systems, the way I sort of monitor qualifying is I have on my computer the sort of the track map, which is supposedly live, which has all the blobs of where the drivers are. In practice, it sort of seldom is it glitches and sometimes they go backwards. So you think, hang on, they surely haven't engaged reverse at 200 miles an hour, but you've got a rough idea of where they are. And And to me... He went out to the pit lane a little bit too early. They were probably too concerned to make sure he was there. I think it was so, nine minutes, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, he was sitting there on tyres that were getting cold. So that's one element of the excuse note. Um... And then as as his fast lap progressed, he was bearing down and bearing down on that cluster of slower cars who were um, all kind of trying to make a gap to each other at the end of the queue. So he was; it was like the snake eating its own tail. He was actually reaching the people at the back of the queue who were all backing off because they needed a bit of a runway in front of them to do their fast laps. And I was thinking, well, this isn't going to end well for him. Uh, and I, th- I then looked up at the monitor and saw, oh, well, actually, he, he's got a bit of clear track ahead of him. What could possibly go wrong? And then, you know, he plummeted down the timesheets much the same way as Richard Chamberlain in The Towering Inferno.
0: Thank you. <laughs> uh, let's, um, let's, uh, but, he, but he wouldn't have been in that position if he'd done his job that's what banker laps are for jBL that's why you go out and maybe on a scrub tire or whatever but you go and put a lap time in and he's just been okay so he came through in Austria and and he was able to you know get a result but he shouldn't be in that position he should be up there if not with Max pretty close
1: absolutely no I completely agree and um, we, we've been in the situation the last few years where um Let's say, for example, the dominant Mercedes years. Um, when Hamilton and Rosberg were teammates, if one didn't win, the other one was probably going to win. Or when Hamilton was partnered with Valtteri Bottas. Bottas was there to pick up the pieces if something went wrong for Hamilton. So it's a, it's a tale of how do you utilise your number two driver? And part of it, I think you have to say in that moment, putting Perez... I guess out first and giving him that license to go first. And then he was doing his cool down lap when everyone else was improving. That's, you know, that might be a little bit on the team and for them, not maximizing their resources. Um, But equally, you have to put that in the hands of the driver as well. And, and and to, to heart back to college example of uh, Eddie Irvine taking over from when Michael Schumacher was uh, uh, out for, I think he was eight races of that season. Um, he stepped up and he did the job and you know maybe there had been times in the previous couples of seasons where that wasn't something that uh, that was necessarily the case but uh, in that situation you know he went through and he he took the the title absolutely down to the wire um could you honestly say that if Max Verstappen was not in the picture would Sergio Perez be picking up the pieces? No because he is very very close in the constructors uh, sorry in the drivers championship to being overtaken by Fernando Alonso a man who hasn't won a race yet this season Absolutely. and who's been ridiculously consistent and that consistency is something that Perez needs to show and i know this sounds like a little bit of a sort of a a, a takedown if you like but he started the season off so strongly and it's just tailed off massively and sure other people are becoming competitive but still you've when you've got the best car there's no real excuse for it you've got to perform to your machinery easily the best car not just the best
0: car but by by a long way in certain conditions
1: and i think you know given the last few years where drivers have been moved aside or sort of cast off because they're not doing the job that red bull wanted them to do as a number two driver you can't honestly say that at this moment in time, Perez is doing a better job. No, he's probably doing not even as as good a job as at the moment. You know, given he's been eliminated from Q one in the last few races, you know, he's not doing he's not even doing what Gasly and Albon did uh, yeah. the last couple of seasons. So, yeah. at some point, alarm bells do have to ring.
0: Is he is he signed up for next year? Has he got a twenty four contract? His
1: contract ends at the end of twenty twenty four. Yeah,
0: so he's not going in. I've seen stupidity online saying oh put ricardo in after the summer break well that's not going to happen but equally did any of you get the, the pleasure of talking to christian horner today any of you on the on the horner duty because he every time i see him he's getting more and more frustrated
2: unfortunately not i, I went to the mclaren uh oh. do and, and and the Toto wolf thing and had had the amusing uh spectacle of of Toto randomly being put on the rack for all sorts of things. The the, the main thing with the Christian Horner sessions is they sort of tend to migrate in time and depending on how annoyed he is, uh, <laughs> the more <laughs> they migrate or the, or the more they actually don't happen. When we were doing stuff on Zoom you'd be sitting there on tenterhooks at home on a, on a Sunday evening because no one was going to raise this because of COVID and you'd be waiting for the Christian Horner session and you'd be you know, look at, looking at a blank screen and basically the message would come through that he's flat bounced off in a huff.
0: Oh, And then where did, where did he, what was the hour long that he did? Was it in not in Brazil? Was it in Mexico? Where did he do the hour long robust defence of them breaking the rules? Oh, uh, the, that
2: was Mexico. That oh, was Mexico, yeah. wasn't it? that was
0: an hour of him just pure Horner, which I loved. I loved every yeah. minute of he it, by the way. He had his reading
2: glasses on. If he'd, if he'd shaken them, them it, in, in the sort of the Morecambe and Wise style. Oh, like, uh,
0: love it. Megan, what did you think of uh, the teammate wars today, particularly at Paris?
3: I just think... You look at this... I have written in front of me how everyone finished the session, right? And both Alex Albon and Pierre Gasly were, you know, lambasted yeah. weekend in, weekend out for their performance at Red Bull. But where are they? Oh, they're 8th and 10th in what, you know, all due respect to Williams and alf Tauri, worst cars. So how to make that make sense? Like, make it make sense that you're in the best car and you're just still not performing. Now... Um, let me talk bikes for a moment because I have an interesting parallel. I have two interesting parallels to draw, both Mark Marquez related. The I wonder if the Red Bull is so tuned to Max that everyone else just can't get to grips with it. In the same way that the Honda, not since twenty twenty because of Mark's accident, but the Honda has always been so tuned into Mark Marquez that great teammates have failed to adapt. So I wonder if that's part of the issue: is that it's the one guy, they know he's going to win, they know he'll win world championships, just do it for him, and let the other guy just be the full guy. So I wonder if that's the issue. The other kind of parallel I drew a bit was was Hamilton and, and that Mercedes, and he's just, he's a however many time world champion, and it's just, he's trying so hard, and, he's just not, and it's just not quite working out, and it must be really frustrating, in the same way that Marquez has now been having problems with the Honda, because they ruined it, but... Different story for a different day. So I just wonder if again he's having that fight with the machinery and the fight with his teammate, and it's just clouding the picture a bit. When really he is such a fantastic driver that he should be—he should be up there.
0: Well, he should be. And, and do you, do and, you want and to know a they, great
3: stat about Alpha
2: Tari. Yeah. Or Alpha, There's a debate whether it's Tori. I always think that's Dominic Raab, surely. In Alpha so, Alphatare. Do you... Uh, we, we've calculated that Aston Martin Sporting Director Andy Stevenson has scored more points than AlphaTauri <laughs> has this year by successfully overturning penalties uh, at the appeal <laughs> Last stage. time out.
0: That was a brilliant move, by the way, to, for, for, for that's exactly what his role is, to say, we think you missed some stuff here. And uh, and then he scored the team some points. Quite a lot of points as well. Um, let's talk a little bit about... We'll go slightly out of order, because I want to go Williams now. Um, and And how... We were all surprised on Friday, and I was told on Friday that Williams were doing glory runs, they're low fuel, and I think it was who was it on Friday night, Dave Robson, uh, am I thinking of the right person said yes. we, we don't know we don't know." Like we, We're not quite sure, but we're going to go and work out. What... So I thought, well, he wouldn't say that if they were just doing glory runs or just doing stuff to to get headlines. It's like, well, we're really impressed with with what happened. And I think it, the phrase was, let's not muck it up. So he cleaned it up, if that was uh, exactly what he said. But but for anyone who's not been following the news, why, why were Williams so quick in the dry? And actually, uh, Albon said, you know, to qualify eighth, yes, they've been third in every practice, but he was over the moon to start eighth on Sunday.
2: Yeah. That car and and lots of Williams over the past few years have basically been bars of soap in a straight line. So circuits like Silverstone, where you don't need downforce particularly, are classic Williams territory. The car has had some upgrades in the past few races, but... Um, it is quite an amazing achievement, and both drivers have have done very well. I think Logan Sargent's performance, although you know he was he was outside the top ten, he he kind of disgraced himself to an extent because he lost some good laps to track limits violations. And at one point, his race engineer said, "You need to wake up." Uh, so he he lost. He went off at stone. He went off at cops and had times deleted. And when the, when his time was deleted for going off at cops, he sort of snappily responded that the stewards needed to look again.
0: Well, they're, they, they, they're, they don't need they're, to. They're,
2: there's a boy who's got a rich dad.
0: Yes. Uh, no, they got it right the first time, so thank you. But uh, you drive the car uh, uh, less badly. Um, but, yeah, it's really impressive. And can they, Can they? JBL, can they have a decent Sunday afternoon, do you think?
1: I think so. There's definitely the ingredients there to do it. And if, because um, Williams has put James Vowles up for a lot of media sessions lately, and just hearing him talk about how the team is developing, how he came to it how it's sort of developing under his watch it's been really illuminating because i don't think anyone's ever really spoken so openly and, and megan touched on this earlier no one's really ever spoken openly about how little investment the team has had over the last few years um and towards the end of the the frank williams claire williams era there just wasn't the investment they were relying year by year on just basically drivers to bring some money um some years they had a decent, you know, maybe a title sponsor like the Martini years and some some years they didn't, like in 2018, for example, relying on two paying drivers, 2019 sort of relatively similar um, in that Mercedes was, I think, greasing the wheels a little bit with, to get George Russell in the car. Um, it'd been such a difficult few years and for him to now come in and say, okay, I've been at Mercedes for the last, God knows, he's been there since the BAR days, actually. And for him to know what a championship-winning team looks like, for him to know what resources they need, it's just been, you know, really interesting from from the outside in to see him at work. And, and he said, "Look, the, you know, this car's still got a lot of hallmarks in last year's car, which was fantastic in a straight line, but lacks downforce. This current car, the FW45, it still does lack downforce, and it still does lack." Uh, you know the sensibilities needed at some of the more tricky circuits, but it does have that excellent straight line speed, and Vows is sort of pretty confident that Williams now has an upgrade package where it can fight for points each weekend, um, and and it seems to be the case. And you know there's a lot of straight lines that still still requires you know some degree of downfalls because they're such high speed corners, uh, and that's where these current cars really excel, but it just seems that they've hit upon a little bit of a purple patch. And um, Albon actually admitted he was slightly disappointed with P8 because uh, he thinks he probably could have done a little bit better because he was uh, P3 in two practice sessions, I think P2 in another. Um, And I I think, yeah, I I agree with Codders in that, you know, Logan Sargent probably should have been in Q3 as well. Um, I think there's certainly... A big opportunity for them to score points uh, on Sunday. Um, you know, I think a lot of people would be will be hoping that that is the case because, the, as as, I, as I've said, the team has sort of fallen in hard times over the last few years. It's just you know it, it's gratifying to see them sort of inch further towards, I guess, sort of uh, civilized territory. Absolutely,
0: and uh, and and really good, really good for um, uh, for the team for for Williams and uh, and for alex as well i mentioned on the friday podcast that we do last night i had lots of people all of a sudden as he was doing really well at the british grand prix uh describing him as the british Thai driver uh, just to maybe get some extra glory on the british Thai driver and uh, and crofty in commentary today with the london born alex Elvon. <laughs> i like, don't worry about the flag he races under um so uh, megan any any thoughts on on williams or alex or we can get on to mercedes if you want to
3: you, what you just said reminded me of Andy Murray, the, the, Brit- <laughs> the British the British tennis player, the British, British. not Scottish, Hang on. British Andy Murray. He's, he's Scottish now, he's lost. Scott Andy Murray loses. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so so it it's, it's one of those,
3: isn't it? No, I think, um, I think Alex has been doing a fa- fantastic job. Um, it's great to see Williams doing well and it's, the more teams do well, the better. You don't want three teams doing really well and everyone else floundering around at the back you know you want everyone to do well the more teams doing well the better you know however many teams that is going to be in future we don't know but you know it's, um, it's fantastic to see them, them making step forwards um, it was a shame that AlphaTauri's big moves didn't seem to have quite helped as much as they, they, they hoped they would um, but you know I'm sure that they'll go back to the drawing board on that and, and we'll see what happens with with that and I mean talking about teammates the Sonoda De Vries mm-hmm what's going to happen with, with Nick DeVries, we don't know. Well, Helmet, so. Helmet
0: Marco, Marco, uh, when he said, uh, I don't, uh, or, or Christian Horner said, don't do it, and I overruled him, and I yeah. think I think he was right. Like, when he, there was two or three races ago, and I was like, oh, that's kind of you not coming back after the summer break kind of thing. Well,
3: I think it's kind of harsh to, to publicly say that as well, because how's that going to make Nick feel? He's struggling anyway, and then mm. for someone to say that, it's like, what, how am I going to come back from that? And um, he's proven that he is talented. That's not the problem here. So um, I think that's difficult as well. And, you know, he's he's clearly trying. And then Marco said, oh, someone said, what's happening with Nick? And, oh, I'll tell you in Zanthor. And it's like, they, you know, what's that supposed to mean? So it's, it's, hard. it's a hard. It's a hard series. You know, it's not just F1 that's like that. F2 and F3 are the same. You know, it's, if you're not performing at the top level every single weekend... People are going to start to question you, and it's like Daniel Ricciardo last year. How many people were questioning him? So
0: yeah, well, he's got a smile on his face this year because he's not doing too much. Sort I, of doing a bit of telly. <laughs> I saw and... him.
3: I saw him gleefully bouncing about earlier. You know, he looked looking, he having a lovely time. I so. think he's
0: still got the McLaren money, and he's got Red Bull colours on, and his team's winning, and yeah. <laughs> everyone's happy.
3: Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think I think in terms of the the kind of lower end of the of the qualifying grid um the the two alpha tauris will be disappointed that it hasn't kind of improved for them
1: if i could just interject on the DeVries situation cuz you know i've uh, I, I was i worked with him back when i used to work for f2 and uh, i worked with him in formula e um so i know nick reasonably well and the first thing that you you, you learn about him is that he's incredibly self-critical and everything that you know you read in the media and everything the the Dr. Helmut Marco says Nick's already been there you can guarantee that you can guarantee that that's been around his head and it is disappointing to see you know him struggle because I believe that he's a better driver than what he's showing in Formula One I think that the AlphaTauri is a very very difficult car for a rookie to pick up I mean Yuki has had good performances in it this year and he's showing what a good driver he is. But I I think that's after, you know, two years of being able to de- deal with similar machinery. Um, For Nick to come in and drive something so alien to him, um, it, it's such a difficult situation to be in because we saw him last year with Williams and, you know, score P9 first time out. That's the driver that, you know, I believe that he is. And... I think if you put him in a car that is probably a little bit more, let's say, neutral, um, he'd get on very, very well with it. Um, But, yeah, it's just the nature of the beast. It's the nature of Formula 1. Sometimes you encounter a car that doesn't suit you, and uh, either you can adapt and improve and work around it, or you flounder. And I think there is coming to the point now where, I'm not going to necessarily say his position's untenable, but... um, unfortunately it just looks like it's going a certain way and uh, it'll be very very hard to go against the tide i guess
3: with the lucky land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky no no nothing like that it's just these cash prizes add up quick so i suggest you sit back keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky
2: More than once, actually.
1: Do I have to say? Yes, you do.
2: In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really?
1: Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
2: I never win and tell.
1: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere,
2: playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase
1: necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: Yeah, no, it really will. He's having it. He just hasn't switched on his season, much like Logan Sargent, until, well, I guess, this weekend, really, because he had some decent, uh, decent pace. But the car had decent pace. But yeah, those drivers haven't really switched on their season to the point that they've not shown anything yet. And it's like, you want want a, a decent weekend to show this is what I can do. I also thought that with the unsafe release as well, that burst of frustration on the radio, where he, where Nick DeVries jumped on the t- on the radio and said, come on, guys, you just that was an unsafe release. And the one thing you never do is say to the stewards, you know, <laughs> by the way, can you please fine us? I, I don't know if that, that fine has come through yet. I haven't seen the news afterwards. I don't know if they've got a, a financial fine or anything for that. Um, I've not seen the news. But that, that's the one thing you don't do is jump on the radio and say, basically, it's a fair cop. Let's finish off. We haven't talked about the Mercedes. Very aware that we need to spend a good chunk of time at the British Grand Prix. Uh, Talking about the two cars that will line up on the grid tomorrow, 6th and 7th, with George Russell out-qualifying his teammate, Lewis Hamilton. Uh, We know it was a competitive year last year, but we know that they were throwing some stuff. We know subsequently they were throwing stuff at Lewis's car because he was more experienced at, at the setup. But generally, in terms of teammates, they've scored similar amounts of points, Qualified pretty similarly. George is on the pace. We know Lewis is brutally fast. But the car codders, since they made those upgrades, that, that shift in design philosophy, perhaps we were all a little, I was maybe perhaps a little bit too quick to think, oh, they've turned a corner now. They've they've solved this. They've got rid of the the, the side pods and magically they, they showed some pace. But then since then, things aren't really working out for Mercedes at the moment.
2: Yeah, it's still a difficult car and um, they haven't banished the problems. Rather, as with uh, McLaren, the underlying things that make that car difficult to drive do persist. So they've they've added downforce to it. They've found a, a little bit more stability. They've sort of cured the front end. But the trouble is the back end's still a bit unstable. And what we found with Lewis in Austria and the reason for his many track limits violations was that they'd kind of wound the front wing down a little bit to try and balance the back. So uh, it, he at least sort of had a bit of balance in the car, where it wasn't sort of dancing around at the back, and and the, fr- and the front was fine. So that 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 shows there's still an under, underlying problem with that car. And and Q3 was interesting because after the first runs. Um, Lewis was quite a bit faster, so like getting on for half a second faster than George. But then in the second run, as as, as I've written sagaciously in in my notebook here, all better, some not better enough.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, totally agree. Uh, and,
2: and so that's where George found the time. Um, so yeah, it's still a problem with the car. Uh, there's still issues with how it works in certain temperatures that they don't understand. So a little bit also like with the McLaren, it's it's better in some temperatures than others. We saw Mercedes not doing much running with the soft tyre yesterday. And I think that might have kind of come back to bite them a little bit because it was um, overheating or in the words of Ron Dennis, degradating um, <laughs> a little bit more than they expected. Um, uh, and also the fundamental things limiting that car is some of the high-speed performance. So it's through the sort of the Beckett's-Maggots complex, not the sharp bit at the beginning, but the kind of the the middle and end where it's kind of gaining speed through, through those bits. That's when you really need the good downforce in the car and stability. That's when the drivers don't have the confidence. And then at Stowe, and didn't we just see Lewis have a massive spin today yeah. at Stowe? Um, he was lucky to keep that going
0: really lucky to keep that going well, No, it wasn't luck. It was driver skill that he got out of the gravel trap. But that could have ended his afternoon very quickly.
2: He, he could have got stuck in that because once you, once you go beyond the track limits at Stowe, you end up in the stuff that – it's, it's kind of like the cheap cat litter from yes. Pets at Home. It's the huge stuff that's difficult to <laughs> scoop. So you, you're not going to get a car out there.
0: Right. Um, I, funny you mentioned Ron Dennis. He crossed my mind today when um, I saw the uh, – the not the podium interviews, but the top three interviews. And the first thing Max did was Max Verstappen was like, oh, well done to McLaren. And, you know, when sports, it's interesting about sports, when sports teams have periods of, of struggling, you become the underdog a little bit as McLaren has done. They've had their financial issues and had to refinance, and they've you know they've just had so many problems over the years. Um, I thought, well, that's fascinating that the first thing Max does is congratulate McLaren. Lewis Hamilton said the same thing uh, when he said, you know, it looks like a Red Bull uh, in chrome. But hey, well done! Really pleased for McLaren. Can you, can you imagine in 1992 anyone possibly saying, "Well done, Ron"? That was I'm really pleased for you, Ron Dennis. Oh, really, that's really well done, well, Ron. You know,
2: Ron, Ron used. To- <laughs> Famously, Ron used to oh, describe really second
0: as <laughs> first
1: of the losers.
0: <laughs> how, how times change. Nobody would have gone out of their way to, oh, McLaren. I'm really happy for McLaren in their periods of dominance. But anyway. Although
1: I do wonder, given that Wimbledon is on, if there's uh, somewhat a little bit of the old backhanded compliments going on in the pit lane. Oh,
0: maybe. Maybe. Thank you for that. Uh, let's talk. Let's finish talking about um, Mercedes, JBL. Any thoughts on uh, their struggles this weekend? And, um, you know, Tota obviously last. Not. Not this weekend, but last time Toto was pretty uh, harsh on the radio saying, all right, drive the car like we know it's bad. Um, like, I, saw, I saw some guy mention on last night's podcast, I saw one comment online uh, from someone saying, just park it, park it in the garage and work on next year. I thought, is there like a tiny, in, that, in the utter madness of YouTube comments, is there a tiny grain of truth of this is not going to be a good year if we keep doing races like this for Mercedes fans?
1: Well, there was uh, a, a comment from Lewis Hamilton in Montreal that uh, Red Bull's probably already working on next year's car, so we should probably actually take an half the ball with this year's car and uh, start getting to work on W15, because let's be honest, if you put me in a wig and makeup, I'd still be ugly. You can change the bodywork on that Mercedes. and No, don't do yourself down. It's still fundamentally the same car with the same flaws. Um, And ultimately, you know, they they can try and change uh, how it generates downforce. They can try and change whatever flow patterns aerodynamically they can. The, the, The bottom line is it's still the same chassis and it's still got the same floors and it's still got everything built into it. It needs, the team needs a new car. And it's something that they cannot simply do this season because of cost cap and because of budget and things like that. So ultimately, they have to make a choice. Do they continue to kind of walk down the road that they're going on and trying to tinker with the current car and, oh, if we just do this and if we just change this, is this going to happen? Or you take what you've learned and you say, okay, here's the line now. What do we do for next year? And it seems that they've already found a path that they're happy with walking down. But it just seems to be that what, they have currently, it's not really going to deliver much more because it's compromised, it was developed to a different specification, and now they've gone in a different direction. It's hard to kind of get a tune out of it. So that's the situation they're in at the moment. And after that, it's just damage limitation. It's, you know, uh, P6 and P7. Ultimately, that was the best that they could achieve in this qualifying session. Um, Behind Ferrari, behind Mercedes, sorry, uh, behind McLaren, behind Red Bull uh, a little bit lucky that Aston Martin didn't really turn up because uh, that's another team they could have fallen behind so this is just something that they're going to have to you know they're, they're working on it they're going to have to work through it as a team and uh, come back next year stronger but
0: it's been a long time now I, I, oh yeah I'm i re- one of the things about sports that interests me is, is firstly how champions go out. Um, I'm fascinated to see how Lewis calls it a day. Uh, I, that's why I like the way Rosberg did it, which was like, I'm not as good, I'm not, I can't drive as well as him, but I've won. I'm going, bye bye. And it's a great way to leave the sport. I know people don't like the way Rosberg left, but I loved it. Um, so I'm fascinated with that, and also fascinated with dynasties that fall because you think, well, how, how can Mercedes have so many good people working there, and they do, and to, to, to struggle so much. Uh, I was talking to someone who was a more you know, recent fan, and that's not to be sniffy. I'm aware that we work for a 70-year-old magazine, and so it's easy to sound sniffy against new fans. That's fantastic. Anyone's welcome in Formula One. But they're like, oh, after all the years that Red Bull struggled, it's good to see they're finally doing well, uh, they said to me. And they, they, they hadn't been around for the Vettel years. And you think, okay. so, so but, but Red Bull pulled it back. Um, and they went, they went through some pain uh, with Renault. Uh, and, and, and they took the risk with Honda. And so, yeah, it really fascinates me on, on how, how dynasties in sports, uh, how, how they fail. And it's unthinkable that that team at Brackley could, could be on their way down. But it's, it's starting to get to the point now, Megan, where it, it's, it's, uh, it's not looking great.
3: It's ups and downs, isn't it? You know, you, Ferrari. Yeah. Like, oh how, goodness, how not, successful yeah. have Ferrari been? And then you ups and downs and peaks and troughs and rebel with Vettel and then rebel between then and now and then Mercedes and McLaren had their time and Williams had their time and so you know it's it's all about ebbs and flows it happens in football it happens in you know happens in every sport um, and I think it's just one of those things not everyone can get it right every year if if Mercedes had continued to just keep winning every single year people would complain about that people will complain about whatever happens. So I think it's, it's how they bounce back is the important thing. Um, and, you know, I, you mentioned, like, new fans. I'm a new fan. I have no shame in... I started <laughs> watching F1 in 2019. I have no shame in that. I watched Drive to Survive and was like, this is really cool. This is
0: good.
1: So,
3: yeah, I don't, I don't care. I think people sniffing at it need to get their head out of their ass. Absolutely. But, um, you know, it's, I think that the, the history and the ebbs and flows are, are great to inform the past, but they won't predict the future. You know, Williams doing really well in the past. McLaren doing really well in the past. You can't rest on that. Mercedes can't rest on all the success that they had to fix the problems they have now. Um, And, you know, speaking about Lewis and when he eventually does step back, he hasn't got that long left. And I think he's aware of that. And I think that's why it's so important that, as you suggested, that they maybe need to look at next year's car because he's in his late 30s you know Fernando's still doing it yeah but yeah. Not, not everyone's Fernando and he is going to get to a point where he wants to step back and I think he deserves to win more before that day comes Absolutely. you
1: made him sound like a 100 year old tortoise <laughs> <laughs> he's not got long left <laughs> you, know,
3: you know what I mean everyone's everyone's career comes to an end yeah. and he, he's aware that he's closer to the end of it than he is to the start it's like Adrian Newey was saying the other week you know he is coming towards the end of his career now and it happens to everyone. And I think that Mercedes, in order to give Lewis the, the kind of end of his career that he deserves, need to maybe look ahead and look at next year and work out how to make things better. Yeah, they,
0: they know that. There was an interview outside number 10 with um, Stefano Domenicali and Toto Wolf and they had the uh, the Downing Street stuff this week. And uh, they were just singing Lewis Hamilton's praises. And uh, and I think Stefano said something like, you know, he's a great ambassador and he raises issues that other drivers can't because of his profile. And Toto said, uh, yeah, now we need to give him a car that he can win with. And I thought, yeah, well, he, he knows that. And everyone says it publicly. But, um, yes, well, we'll wait and see how the race goes tomorrow. Yes. No.
2: I went on honeymoon. Oh. Uh, to, where's, where's this going? I, I, I went on honeymoon to Mauritius, <laughs> and we saw some hundred-year-old turtles. Or tortoises, you would not believe how fast they can shift when you, you know, stick a, a, a lettuce leaf or something, uh, tantalising it out of their reach. So, don't it's
1: never, been a long day. Never rule out a hundred-year-old turtle it's or tortoise. It's good to see you finally come out
0: of your shell, Codders. <laughs> oh, I have a feeling that Megan's going to say something that trumps both of those.
3: I, I was going back to the point, which was you mentioned.
0: Oh, never do that do with codders. That. You mentioned uh. you
3: mentioned that Lewis Hamilton is such a fantastic ambassador for for this series the fact that he is that outspoken he talks about bigger issues than just f1 he he is a really brilliant representative for formula one and he he does speak about difficult things he speaks about issues that we should really be tackling more in this series and now that sebastian vettel's gone who did, did a similar thing there really needs to be a bit of thought about who's gonna who's gonna do that who's gonna step into those shoes who's going to you know support people who aren't being supported by f1 you know think about getting we've I've been doing a lot of um discussion with more than equal recently about helping women to get into f1 who's going to help and it shouldn't be lewis hamilton's job but we need all the drivers to help solve these problems and to talk about these problems and lewis hamilton leaving the f1 grid will be a, a massive shame not just because he's such a talented driver
0: Yeah, and it won't be Max because we know Max wants to drive the car and race the car and win and go home and not, you know, not do too much else. Uh, Before we go, in our last five minutes, uh, we will, I just want to talk about the team that is just out over the road, and that would be Aston Martin. You know, I've been over the last year, been here for sort of a few reasons, a few recordings here at Silverstone. Every every time I come back, Aston's getting bigger. They're investing. I'm sure they're built stroller bigger corner office than he had the last time he had it inspected build me a bigger one um <laughs> i'm half joking and uh, and uh, and and it's impressive what they're doing it's impressive the car they rolled out at the beginning of the year and alonso drove it spectacularly but we'll just finish off with talking a bit about aston he's gonna be gutted with ninth today isn't he
2: furious i think because he was another people who uh, another people another person who didn't improve quite as much as they could have done. So, yeah, first Q3 run, 127.841. Second uh, Q3 run, 127.659. So, waste of a set of new tyres, I think. So, yeah, they won't be very pleased, and neither will Lawrence, who, uh, as, as we well know, thinks he should be given a knighthood for his services to British industry. So, um, Did he say that? He deserves a bigger office. From his big corner office. From his big corner office, <laughs> which, is, which is measurably larger than Martin Whitmarsh's uh, it office is. next door. Yeah.
0: It, would, it would be a shame if they built Stroll's office in the wrong corner of the building, overlooking an industrial estate. Uh, and then had to move it. I'm I'm just saying, it would be unfortunate if that had happened, uh, and I can't comment on whether that actually happened or not.
2: (laughs) My favourite story about that factory is that they they (laughs) bought the land from a local farmer who's staying on their farm just on, on the other side of the original factory where... Jordan were based, Force India, mm. et cetera. Uh, and, and by all accounts, when they when they lost their plans for the new factory, the farmer objected to all of them, having <laughs> sold
0: them the last. What's this? This company called Aston Martin, who I just sold stuff to, <laughs> want to build things on my... <laughs> Why are they not farming? They're not thought... in
1: my backyard. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Uh, yeah, uh, so Aston, just we finished. finish off talking about Aston. Uh, Jake, any, any thoughts from you?
1: Uh, well, we were lucky enough to be invited to their facilities on... Thursday. Thursday. Sorry, I should Thursday. say nicer things about them then, shouldn't I? Well, uh, they put on a very good spread for all Absolutely. of us. Uh, Thank per- you, Mr. Stroll and it's big indeed. corner office. And, uh, of course, their sponsors, Peroni. <laughs> Thank you very <laughs> much to them as well. Keeping the evening lubricated. Um, <laughs>
2: not for those of us who are driving. Although it is Peroni 0.0, is it called that?
1: Yeah. Are Do we, we get Peroni podcasts now?
2: Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, are we sponsored um, by Peroni? No, it's, it's very nice Other though. alcohol-free beverages <laughs> and alcohol-filled beverages are available. Yes. Beverages in <laughs> <laughs> It has been a long day. But,
1: um, it, yeah, it's a very impressive facility and obviously this is something they've building, been building towards for, for a very long time. And, um, you know, over the last few races, you, you know, um, uh, Tom McCulloch, who is, uh, I believe, their, their trackside sort of uh, lead engineer mm. um, he's been he's been kind of talking about oh we're going to move in soon we're going to move in soon and then um, I think at Monaco came around he was like we've moved in <laughs> and um, obviously the race team I think were the last ones to turn up and probably didn't get the drew the short straw with which offices they were allowed to have but it's a, it's a very impressive facility and they're building more. They're building, you know, they're going to knock down the old Jordan facility. Um, it kind of sits in between where they're going to be building. Uh, the new wind tunnel is is projected to come online uh, in the next couple of years. So this is an ongoing thing. And as disappointed as Alonso is with ninth, um, it, it's testament to the fact that they, they've kind of, you know, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Over-delivered mm. with regards to performance this year. They were never <coughs> expecting to be uh, quite so far up. They were never expecting to have Alonso in third in the drivers' championship this early.
0: Um, but you have got to score the points early, like oh. with, like with the Braun. And people forget how 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 well Red Bull in 09 developed their car, and that feels like it's happened this year with Aston's competitors. Like, no one's really, because they were always in the hunt with Mercedes and Ferrari, it was always, but he was always up there, and then it seems like they're just missing a little bit the last couple of races.
1: Part of that has been not developing quite a, as much as their rivals on, on the grid. Um, they will have a few bits and pieces coming, but at some point they are going to have to make the switch to next year. They'll have learned a lot just by fighting at the front to know what they need and what they're going to need further down the line. So it's it it does induce that bit of hope that it's not just going to be the traditional front runners that are going to be fighting for championships. We're going to have another team in the mix if all things go well. So for even though Formula 1 might be in a little bit of a turgid state at the moment with uh, you know where we can predict who's going to do what pretty much most weekends um going forward into the next couple of seasons it does add a lot of hope so um, and th- obviously the more at the front the merrier
0: absolutely we'll finish off there was an 11th team of course this weekend um megan from your manor f2 they've got the uh, the the f2 car that Delara chassis with all the f1 bodywork on for the brad pitt uh movie have you managed to catch that in person what does it look like Squashed. Oh, because it's shorter. The F two cars are about a foot shorter, aren't they? Yeah.
3: It's 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 just like an F one car. If you got the corners of it on like a on like paint.
0: Yeah, but don't Photoshop, do it. Photoshop, not yeah. paint,
3: and and squashed it in a little bit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, it looks very cool. The whole thing is very cool. It's very impressive and shiny and Hollywood and all the rest of it. The
0: garage looks pretty real swanky
3: yeah Um, it it, it is I mean we'll (coughs) see what the film's like it's a big project it's a massive undertaking lots of people have worked on the project Brad Pitt's here Um, he's staying here
0: is he? Is he? Uh, in, is, is he? Is he actually in the vicinity? Excitement. Brad Pitt that'd would be, like
3: to join the podcast. he's more than welcome. There'll be double the people
0: waiting um, outside the hall tomorrow.
3: Actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's very it's a very impressive project. I know that you know lots of people have worked really hard on it, and hopefully the film is good. If you know when it eventually comes out, whenever that may be.
0: Definitely. Well, you can. Uh, I'm sure that uh, there's still more time to catch that guy. It looks very cool, um, and they're filming this weekend. There was an eleventh team. At, whether there will be an eleventh team in 25 because I keep thinking twenty-six is rules changes, but there's teams. That are, oh, we want to come earlier, but um, uh, but it should be twenty-six, I suppose. But I don't know. Toto again this week was saying, "Oh, no, for safety, we can't have more teams for safety." It's, it's <laughs> funny that, that nothing it's to always, do with money. It,
3: yeah, all, all to safety, do with money. all money, or what else could it possibly yeah. be? Like, well, there's not enough catering,
0: you know. Yeah, so we'll um, see. We we'll see if anyone does turn up t- t- early or not. But, yeah,
3: the, uh, the two new. The t- there's been two teams, I believe, that have had their applications authorised to proceed. Yes. Yes. Further, we don't know who those we'll two, te- two teams are, but you can kind of.
1: They're, they've been pushed forward into the house with uh, Simon Cowell. So, uh, <laughs> <they> <laughs> can yeah. Do their coaching? They're going to
3: cry go on the couch that. with Nicole uh, Scherzinger. Are, are, um, are they
0: with? Sunita right uh, now? Yeah.
3: So, <laughs> you need a
2: little work on your vocals.
3: <laughs> but We've yeah, I mean, it'll be it'll be interesting <laughs> to Louis see watch. if we if we do end up with an extra team. Um, yeah. Andretti seemed to be very enthusiastic so i I don't know if that would be a bad thing you know let let people join in
2: there was a hilarious scene in the media center today as um a couple of us were kind of looking out onto the paddock and we noticed that um in the huge fia motorhome which in itself is quite amusing because f1 built themselves a big motorhome and the fia have built an equally sized motorhome right next to them and there's like this little veranda on the top deck. And who should we espy but FIA President Mohammed bin Salayim in an occasionally heated discussion with Toto Wolf? And who knows what they were talking about. But, you know, just as we were sort of having a little giggle to it between ourselves, all of a sudden one of uh, a photographer I know sort of walked past. We're going, yeah, what are you looking at? And I said, oh, yeah, look, there's um, the president of the FIA and Toto Wolf. So he sort of takes his huge <laughs> lens and starts getting a good telephoto shot of it. It. And then naturally, because photographers have gravitate towards one another, everyone else saw him taking picture. So thousands of photographers just descended on this corridor. I thought the building was actually going to tip <laughs> sideways. It was a, under the weight of all this equipment.
3: It was a conveniently located chap on a massive balcony directly across from the media centre. Yeah, yeah I
0: wonder if that anywhere anywhere else? Else? Yeah. yeah. It was probably about the catering or something. I don't, I don't
3: yeah, know. I'm not ha-
0: I'm happy about. No,
3: this is not <laughs> right. I said,
0: brioche bun. Uh, we should call it a day. We should definitely call it a day. Uh, I think it's got to that time of the evening when uh, we'll, we'll wrap this one up. Thank you very much for your contributions to the podcast. Uh, once again, we are here at uh, Whittlebury in the GP Racing Fan Village. If you're listening this year and you're thinking, you know, I want, I, I want to go along next year, uh, we can highly recommend uh, coming here because it's, uh, it's a great atmosphere. Uh, you can stay with a, a bunch of fantastic fans. Of course, you've got all the fantastic facilities of of Whittlebury as well, including a shower, which goes a long way when you're camping for you the can weekend. Get a good meal. don't yeah? <laughs> don't underestimate the a good shower. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that, that's uh, that's where we are this weekend. Thank you so much for your contributions. That's the podcast today, and we'll catch you on the next one.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring